Welcome to the Product Guy Podcast, where we discover what it takes to transform an idea or stroke of genius into a product for the masses. It's going to be informative, insightful, and actionable. I'm your host, TFN, the Product Guy. Welcome everyone to the Product Guy Podcast. I'm TFN, your host. Super excited today because we are going to dispel a myth of the 20th century. And that myth is you need money to make money. And I'm going to tell you this right now. That has never been less true than it is right now. And I predict it will continue to become less and less true as time goes on. Now, some of you are saying, wait a second, wait a second, wait a second. I know. Okay. We'll settle down. But there's never been an easier time to start a business without any significant startup capital. Now, the need for microloans and developing worlds and um, buying inventory to be able to sell inventory obviously still a thing. Like no one's discrediting that. However, we do know that we've never had so much access to consumers thanks to the internet and modern internet, because for those of you that remember the internet 20 years ago, definitely isn't what it is today. We've never had so much access to consumers. They can shop straight from their social media platforms. And on top of that, people will now buy things without you even having the capability to make it yet. And I'll prove it to you. And I'll give you examples of big corporations and you'll have thousands of examples at your fingertips within a few moments proving that this is the case. Now, again, there's exceptions to every rule and nothing is ever to be taken the absolutes for you naysayers out there. Of course, you need some money. Sure thing. But the thought that you need to go out and raise a bunch of capital to be able to buy a building to then start selling something is absolutely ludicrous and stupid. I'm sorry. There are very, very, very few circumstances where that's actually necessary. And when you're selling a product, there's two main strategies, and this is what we're going to talk about. Strategy number one is make something, then sell it. Number two is sell something, then make it. Whenever possible, B is the better choice every single time. The the idea here is, why don't I take your money? You're going to pay me for my good or service. You're going to give me the money. And then I'm going to take that money. I'm going to spend a portion of it to go make my good, provide the service, whatever it is. Hopefully at a profit. That's the goal, right? Not a crook. I mean, we're going to give what there's a transaction here. You're going to give me the money based on the terms we agreed upon. And then with that, I'm going to then deliver the good or service we committed to. However, the catch is, I haven't made it yet. In fact, I haven't even ordered it yet. Take it a step further. I'm not even sure what the final product is going to be. I've got some ideas and I know I've sold you on the concept and the idea. However, what you receive might be slightly different than, you know, what you thought you ordered. 
that sound strange? Because I'm going to tell you right now, I know a lot of millionaires that do this on a regular basis. And it's called crowdsourcing. It's crowdfunding. It's going out to an audience through a market, a website, um, whatever it may be, and offering something that you don't have the money to make yet. And don't have the money isn't the right term because a lot of companies or businesses have the money, but they're using this as an opportunity to test the waters and see if it's worth investing in. And two, they're also doing this to get the money before they have to spend the money. It's, it's actually spectacular and it lowers your overhead costs by not having to have all this inventory, this big warehouse, these buildings, all this staff before you even start making a sale. As a business or product company, your objective is to always be cash flow positive. And the best way to do that is to get cash before you spend cash. And I know that seems silly, but a lot of businesses, they buy something to sit on it to hopefully sell it, you know, they usually do, but hopefully sell it and then make their money back afterwards. It's an interesting model and it's the traditional model, but it's completely unnecessary now. In most circumstances, people are willing to order and wait to receive what they made. So I'll give you a couple examples of some big crowdfunding websites and then we'll talk about a couple campaigns that we've seen work and we'll even speak about publicly traded companies that do this on a regular basis. You know why? Because it works and they make an obscene amount of money doing it. So in the crowdfunding space, there's a few well-known names um, that you'll recognize very quickly, hopefully, and should be able to familiarize yourself with if this is something you want to consider. If you've got the idea and you don't have the capital, but you want to develop it and try to make some money with it, or if you've got the capital, but you want to test the market and see how your customers are going to receive it. And I'd like to know, this isn't an exhaustive list. This is just the, the big ones that I think are household names or are really, really well known within the industry. The big one, the heavy hitter that almost everyone knows about, Kickstarter. We've all seen them where someone puts together a Kickstarter. They try to sell the product. I've done it. I've been a part of some highly successful Kickstarters that have done over five, six hundred thousand dollars in sales in a month. I've also been a part of total busts where they weren't even able to get a thousand dollars in sales in a month. Ultimately, it comes down to planning and marketing. But let me give you a few other names to, to, to kick around and then we'll get back to Kickstarter. So you've got Kickstarter, Indiegogo, very popular, Seed Engine, WeFunder, MicroVentures, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, and many more. And again, if you look it up, you'll find a lot of these. We're even seeing them now for people that are trying to develop TV shows, movies, getting funding, a very popular one that was just done by, I believe it's Angel Studios, is a, a show called The Chosen about the life of Jesus Christ. Well, they raised the money for it. It's actually the most successfully funded, crowdfunded uh, video or movie campaign. I don't know the right verbiage. I'll have to look on the website uh, in the history of the world. It, it's unbelievable how much they were able to raise just from the public to be able to put on this TV series. That's fantastic. You should check it out. The chosen. Um, but in Kickstarter, you see a lot of products that are very, very early on in their development stages, things that might still even be ideas. They, they haven't even figured out the entire concept yet, 
but they're already putting the product out there for sale. I worked on a project with John Lee Dumas, a friend of mine, for his book called The Freedom Journal. The Freedom Journal was a passion project of John's, who's got a podcast called Entrepreneur on Fire. You should definitely check it out. It's excellent. You'll love it. In Entrepreneur on Fire, John um, interviews various entrepreneurs, and he really wanted to create a product that would help a journal that would help people set and achieve their biggest goals in the first hundred days. And so he decided to create the Freedom Journal and put together a Kickstarter campaign for it. Now, John had the um, opportunity to buy the inventory um, before the Kickstarter even started. And so he chose to do that, but he did the Kickstarter to show um, how it was going to be successful and to prove concept that it could be done, that anyone, if they really wanted to, could launch a Kickstarter and make the money um, before they spent it. And so John put together a Kickstarter. It lasted 30 days and it did $453,800 or $453,803. Tremendous success. Enormous. It did so well that John had actually ordered some books in advance. He actually called us during production, said, double the order. Double it right now. And so that's all we had to do. We had to double the order because of his Kickstarter, because it made so much. Now, the... the. The assumption that if you create a product and you put it on Kickstarter is going to fund itself is absolutely untrue. It 100% needs to be marketed. It 100% needs to be told. People need to be aware. They need to know what they're buying and they need to know generally for the terms and when they'll receive it and things like that. And so you could go to kickstarter.com and search the Freedom Journal and you'll find it. It's a beautiful book. It's excellent. If you've got goals, if you're trying to launch a business, you need to get yourself a freedom journal and put it to the test and be honest with it. And it works. It really, really works. But this freedom journal um, was put on a Kickstarter, but there was a whole campaign around it, pushing it, inviting people to come to the campaign, to check it out through social media, through podcasts, through testimonials of people that were allowed to try it, of early adapters. And when you arrived at the page, it was well-developed and thought through and there were emails going out afterwards and the, the, the campaign, which is what these crowdfunding sales are called, was a tremendous success. So good, in fact, that John, about a year later, said, I've got a second journal about goal setting as well, but this one is, is more about becoming the best self you can. And it's called the Self-Mastery Journal. And John created the Mastery Journal. And within 30 days, again, he did over $280,000 in sales. Now, after these campaigns, these products were put on Amazon, on his website. They have residual sales that's coming in all the time. But these campaigns were a great way to get the wheel rolling to create a lot of buzz and excuse and say, hey, help me get this started 
get, be a part of this product that's coming to life. Um, I'm also a, a big advocate of Kickstarter because we saw what it did for the SwitchPod, a product created by Pat Flynn and Caleb Watkick. Watch it. He's got a tricky last name. Love you, Caleb. Sorry if I butchered that. Um, but they also did a Kickstarter for 60 days to really uh, raise awareness and help people know about the SwitchPod to get it started and raise the money they needed for really expensive molds. I mean, that first production run for the SwitchPod was almost $200,000. And that's a lot of money to put on a product that you haven't been able to test quite yet with the market. And so they did a Kickstarter and in 60 days, they raised $415,748 before they'd spent any money on inventory. At this point, they were three to six months out from receiving any inventory once the project ended. And their followers knew that. They knew that they weren't going to get this project, in this case, until right around Christmas time when the product was, the, the Kickstarter ended around April. And so they did over $415,000 in these 60 days and have since grown tremendously throughout the U.S. internationally with retailers and distributors. Great company, great success. Zero dollars on inventory before they started selling. They didn't even have the the factory dialed in, the tools to make it, but they put together a tremendous project for these sales. Now, you might be saying, well, you look sure, that's cool, fine, okay, small businesses, we get it, new products. Well, that's not necessarily the case. We actually see major automakers doing this. I'll give you an easy example, the Cybertruck. It's not on the road yet. They've sold millions of Cybertrucks or hundreds of thousands. I, I shouldn't say millions, I don't know. But they took deposits for hundreds of thousands of these Cybertrucks, Tesla did. Elon Musk is a master of pre-selling. He's an, he's a believer in taking money, getting people involved, excited in the movement, and then providing the goods or service. So if you gave Elon Musk a hundred bucks or Tesla, I should say, if you gave Tesla a hundred bucks for your cyber truck that you'll probably receive in, I don't know, two to three years from now, but you ordered it a year and a half ago, you helped him crowdsource something. Ford just did that with their Bronco that's coming out this year. The Ford Bronco, they took pre-orders. They sold out of almost everything that they had planned as they had created several packages, several value propositions. The ones that first came in got the best deal. Even though we were talking about a $70,000 vehicle, right? They sold them right away. People wanted them that badly. They were willing to pay for it with, um, without receiving it right away. Now, in those circumstances, sure, those companies had spent some money before developing the product, creating it, hiring, especially in Tesla and and Ford, hiring engineers, prototyping, of course. Like, I get that. But that's not the case for every one of these products and businesses. A lot of these can be very cheap services and products or goods that you want to sell and flip. Maybe you know, hey, I can buy this product at this price over here. 
I can't afford to buy the minimum, whatever they're asking me to pay. But I know that the supply is good, it's reliable, and I could deliver at $10 or less. Then why not go out and try to make a sale at $15 or $20? And if the minimum is 1,000 pieces, why not try to sell a 1,000 pieces and see if you can sell all 1,000 before they come and just commit to delivery? It's highly possible because it's already happening every day. Hundreds of companies are doing this all the time, selling items before they're available. It also allows you, like we said in the business, to reduce your risk. It allows you to not make a bad mistake. Could you imagine if Elon Musk had launched the Cybertruck and instead of getting hundreds of thousands of pre-orders, they got 50? Holy smokes. They would have probably canned that item right away and said, we're not doing that. A bad business decision. We should not have done that. You know what? Actually, they kind of did. I don't know how much you follow Tesla. Maybe you do. Maybe you don't. I do. I don't own a Tesla. Cool cars. But at a point in time, they had promised that they were going to make it so you could interchange your battery. Meaning instead of having to recharge the battery within a minute or so, you could remove the battery and install a new battery and you would pay for that swap and you could bring it back and pay for it swap back and you'd get a lot of your money back. Well, they put that out. People were super interested. It was quick. It was innovative. And then I think at the time, this was several years ago, they said that the the money you were leaving for each time you change batteries was like $250. And people immediately said, wait a second, what? And then they, they looked into their plan to be able to do that. Extremely labor intensive, didn't have the solutions for it, wasn't viable. Thank goodness they put it out there to get feedback from their customers that said, yeah, we don't know that we want to go in that direction. Ultimately, crowdsourcing gives you the opportunity to pull the brakes before it's too late. Had John or SwitchPod or any of our other customers that did crowdsourcing campaigns spent the hundreds of thousands of dollars on inventory before they could prove that they could sell them, they would have been in a very, very, very tough spot. Now, I do also want to give you some warnings about crowdsourcing because even though it's highly successful, there have been some really bad campaigns. Not bad in the sense that they didn't raise the money, but bad in the sense that they raised a whole lot of money and were never able to deliver. Some of you may have heard of a company called The Coolest Cooler. Uh, did a crowdsourcing campaign on Kickstarter, made millions of dollars. It was a cooler that had Bluetooth and it had speakers and radio and all the best things in the world. It was the coolest cooler. And you know what? I don't think they ever really delivered any coolers. It did so bad. They actually had to go back and ask their, their backers, as they're called on Kickstarter, for more money, then get investors to deliver. And I think ultimately they had to sell the company because of the bad liability, the bad debts they have. Now, that's what you don't want to do. If you're going to pre-sell something, make sure you can deliver. Build a brand that's reliable, that's trustworthy, that customers want to recommend to others and that they want to buy again. It means you have to do your homework. You have to make sure that your costs are below what your sales are. Another pitfall we see that... um young businesses struggle with, they forget to take into account the other costs of the business. So they might think, okay, our cost of inventory is, is $50,000, making up a number. Why not? 
It's a good round number. They might think, okay, my inventory costs 50000 but they forget to say, well, what does it cost to ship it to your warehouse? And what are the warehousing costs? And what are the taxes for importing that good? And then how are you going to ship it to the customer? What are the boxes cost? What is the shipping cost? What is the warehouse charge to put it in a box and put a label on that? All those things go into it. And unfortunately, I've seen too many great ideas and great products that started to get some life. Just forget to calculate all the things that went into their product. And they just weren't quite able to take off and ultimately had to close their doors. That doesn't need to be a plan. That doesn't need to be a thing. You can early on know almost all the costs or have good estimates for what they're going to be and then plan that into your campaign to ensure that you are successful. Ultimately, that's what I want for you. I want for you to be successful with these campaigns if you're going to launch them. If you're going to pre-sell, you can and should. I recently bought a course where the course wasn't completely finished. They actually said, look, if you give me, I think it was $500, said, if you give me $500, I'm going to teach you all these things along with these other people. I'm not completely done doing it, but because it's not done, I'm giving you this discount at $500 instead of, you know, I think it was $2,500. And I said, okay, yeah, let's do it. And it was a tremendous value to me and I enjoyed it and I learned and they were able to take that money and then provide the service that I ultimately wanted the good, this course, this uh, lesson that was immensely valuable to me. So don't get hung up on, I don't have the money to buy a bunch of inventory or to buy the land to build my factory to make this product. It's 2021. You, You don't need that anymore. You literally don't need that. There is someone that has made the investment to help you lower the cost of your good or service, to help you develop uh, your customer base and make sales. And they see you like a partner to make those sales for them. And they will help you get to the finish line if you simply empower them and inquire on how to do that. If you're looking to launch a product... Do not. I said it twice or three times already. I get it. You don't need money to make money. It's 2021. It's false. Naysayers. Ah, not true. Thanks for tuning in. Subscribe to the next episode. You'll love it. Thank you. Thank you.